0: To still buffering a cross generational guide to the culture that made us, I am Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McRoy,
1: and I'm Taylor Smurl.
2: Um, I don't know that I've ever been more prepared for an episode of this
1: show than I am today. Uh, just jumping right in. No, no small talk.
0: Well, no, I just Sydney doesn't care about anything else right now. Just fun. Right. Well, it's just been my. Doesn't whole, matter how my day's been, Tay's day's been, what we've been up to, maybe what we've been spending our week doing.
1: Yeah. None I of guess, that. None of that. I guess so. Nope.
2: Okay. Well, go ahead. Share.
0: Nope. nope. No, it's all right. Go for nope. it. Nope. Go ahead. No, what? I'm
2: not saying anything else until, why, why until you? you both tell me in excruciating detail every second of your days for the last
1: week. Wow, well, that wasn't. That wasn't. <laughs> that wasn't passive <laughs> <aggressive> <laughs> at all. Yeah, go.
2: Right.
0: Go. Oh, I always want to talk about SpongeBob. It's all you want to talk about. Let's so talk about a stupid SpongeBob. Let's do it. Riley's hungry right now. Should we preface with that?
1: Oh, is that what's up?
0: I've been up since six thirty, and all <laughs> I have had today is one singular Starburst. That is it.
1: I'm hungry. Oh uh, no, no, what? Riley? You got some some autonomy going on there, right? Like you could have done something about that.
0: I mean, I've been at my office job from eight to five, so no. Uh, isn't Aren't you legally mandated to have a lunch break? I mean, yes. I like, could have
2: taken one, but to eat what? Well, I'm just saying, like, OSHA protects you, right? Like, cool. you know this better than I do. I'm I don't just know. A I don't know anything about OSHA. I'm just an intern.
1: I mean, you, you can bring lunch. You can go get lunch. You can have lunch brought to you. I, I don't. But I, the, they the have options, to give you, are...
2: like, 30 minutes or something?
0: I,
1: yes. I don't know. I don't know.
0: I I didn't eat.
2: I never There's, do. There's definitely... Taylor, you probably know more about this than I do.
1: Yes, you, you have to. You know, I was always told that it was if you work eight hours, they have to give you a half hour lunch break. But uh, currently, I mean, this might have changed. My my current job, at six hours. So if I work over six hours, I have to take a half an hour break.
0: I'd rather not put my very lovely employer on blast. Um, well, it's no. fully on me. I didn't pack I, a lunch. I didn't bring a lunch. And then I oh, just, you know, we I work... All I think day. if you said,
2: so. hey, I'm going to take 30 minutes for lunch, I bet you she'd say, no oh, problem. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, that's um, all I'm saying. But I,
0: I did not because I was working. So.
1: Well, yeah, I wasn't questioning your, your, your workplaces, like, <laughs> ethics. I was just more giving you a hard time. Like, oh, yeah. darling, you could have done something about this. <laughs>
0: okay, it's
1: my fault.
2: I know. <laughs> I'm gonna well, buy you I'm a, sorry you're hungry. I'm going to buy you a bunch of protein bars and nut packs. That's what I just put them in my car. Because it's the only place I know I will be every day is at some point I'll be in my car. And so I will eat the things in there.
0: Protein bars and nut packs are two of the saddest snacks I think you could ever have that you take and say, this counts as sustenance, this counts as a lunch.
1: I mean, it's something. It's better than nothing. It's something,
0: but I mean, you know.
1: It's better than a single Starburst, bud.
2: Also, can I say, we had the cast party here this weekend. And upstairs, I have an entire counter full of... Various kinds of chips and pretzels and crackers, as well as all kinds of little plastic bakery sugary
0: treats. Now you I gotta know be what I'm honest, talking about I do cupcakes, not cakes, little brownies. I don't, I don't like those. You gotta be real. I'm not a fan of like the like the grocery store like treats that come in like the big the big boxes of like mini yeah. mini. I just they're very sweet. There's also and a German chocolate a cake, sitting up there, well, Sydney, I appreciate you sharing with me all these things I could be eating right now that I'm not because I'm sitting I here offered, I you offered know, recording our podcast.
1: And I don't want to tell you how I started off my day because I got up and cooked delicious crunchy chili peanut noodles with Ooh, cilantro and scallions good. and tofu. It was really good. I love but- the, the
0: crunchy chili onion stuff from Trader oh, Joe's. Yeah. I haven't had that in a couple months now.
1: Well, see, This is this is my only mm. off day So like the rest of the week I mainly just eat family meal That gets progressively colder mm-hmm. Like you know mm-hmm. I'll usually have a few bites when I start my shift And then steal some for my 2am dinner So I try to make up for it on my off day By like treating myself
0: Yeah That well, sounds like a good treat
1: It was well, it I'm, I'm, I'm sorry you couldn't <laughs> that
0: It's alright Just kind of picturing it in my head uh, imagining it sitting in front of me
2: yeah, it's real good, I'm sorry
0: it's our, I'm sorry. our first day at not having rehearsal in
2: a very long time the girls, I told them they didn't have to do anything today but just lay around and just exist and we could have a day like that and they requested sushi for lunch love that So both of them? nah, Cooper Okay. Cooper ate sushi say. and Charlie ate noodles and sweet and sour chicken
1: that sounds about right See, that's why I feel like ultimately a three, a a four day work week, three three days off is the ultimate way that we're supposed to be as humans, because you do need one day to just not do anything. Mm -hmm. I think our brains just need that. A day to just like consume food and have sleep. And then you need a day to do all the stuff that you have to do for your life, your laundry and your cleaning and all that. And then, to have any joy in your life, you need a whole other day to do that thing that you like to do that you don't get paid to do. And you can go back to work and you're satisfied.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds nice. Yeah,
2: I have two baskets full of clean laundry in my laundry room, because I managed to wash and dry them, but there was no time for folding, and they're, they're like, overflowing, and now dirty clothes have been put in on top of them. Oh, no i'm just gonna be washing clothes for all of time
1: yeah i uh i did the thing where i did my laundry kind of last minute last week and i had to go to work that day that got up early to do it because i have a uniform i had to wash so the rest of the clothes i didn't want them to get like wrinkled in the laundry bag because they were clean so i just opened it up and just threw all the clean clothes all over my bed it's like this will be better but then when I came home from work, I didn't want to deal with them. So I just slept on top of them. And then I did that like three days in a wo- row. And then the question is, are these still clean? <laughs> I like, mm-hmm. slept on top of them like some sort of some sort of mole person. I, I don't think I don't so. I because
2: that's kind of like wearing them, right? <laughs> if you lay
1: like on I them. wore them. I wore three weeks worth of clothes all at once in course <laughs> <of> three days. <laughs>
2: You you were just trying to get away with only a carry-on on an airplane. Yeah. Situation.
1: Not
0: See, I just did the worst thing I could possibly do when I came home for the summer and I left everything in my giant suitcase. And now I've just I've just been living out of a suitcase perpetually, but then of course I wash the clothes that I wear, but I didn't ever put them away anywhere, so they just go back to sitting on top of my suitcase with all the clothes mm. that have been in there unworn. Um so I'm kind of in a similar boat. Of, like, do they really count as clean if I clean them and wash them and then immediately just like throw them on top of an old suitcase? I don't know.
1: How, how did none of us get that whatever Gene Dad has that makes it like we can be in a hotel for a single night and he will unpack everything mm-hmm. into those drawers, organize them. He will move in. <laughs> yep. Like we don't have that.
2: I will say I don't do that, but I am obsessive about when we come back from a trip, I immediately unpack all of our suitcases and put everything away, and put all of the dirty clothes in the laundry. Like, I immediately, the suitcases are completely Mm-mm. unpacked and put away nope. by the end of that day.
0: See, there for a while, when I was, like, having so many holiday breaks to come home from school, where, like, you have, like, a fall break, then you have Thanksgiving, then you have Christmas. I was just perpetually living out of a suitcase. It's like, oh, I just got back from that trip. Let me take the dirty clothes out of that. But I left the clean ones in so I could wear those, but then I'm going to put some back in, because I'm about to leave again, and then I just well never unpack it. So why would I? Yeah. I, I myself these days pretty much always living in some state of suitcase
2: well mean,
0: everything's always wrinkled can't really ever find anything but I know it's in there somewhere so I mm-hmm. just gotta start digging and then when I'm looking for something else is when I find the thing that I was looking for like two days ago
2: yeah <laughs> it's just...
0: a hard life <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're,
2: you're a working woman now you know? it's a hard life
0: Well, I also
1: It's
0: It's on me I moved away for school And left a bunch of clothes here That then I just bought myself new clothes When I moved away So now I have like a closet full of clothes From like high school That I haven't worn since high school Um, So I have nowhere to put my real adult clothes Mm.
1: Well you should All those clothes you haven't worn since high school You should like clean out And like, I don't know, donate?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I should. That if would make have... me a better person than letting them exist in my closet, no one seeing well, them or you touching them. Well, have
2: more space. Them. It's good for your well, mental health cuz any, you, you know, you don't feel so clus- cluttered. Yeah. My closet makes me feel cluttered. I have I need to get rid of a bunch of stuff and I just haven't taken the time to do it. See, my
1: I I have like two, this sounds excessive, but they they're small, like two small closets in my the bedroom part of my house and I have one with the clothes that I wear and then one that could be just to have more space but it's full of all the clothes that I wish I was the type of person to wear do you all have this problem Mm -hmm. where you keep things thinking like someday I'm gonna wear wake up and I'm gonna be that guy and it just never happens
2: yeah no I have aspirational clothing
1: aspirational clothing I like
2: I do I do and I I also I have aspirational clothing and then I have like clothes that I hold on to that I don't like anymore but I feel like maybe I don't know why I feel like I would be forced to wear them at some point maybe but like maybe life circumstances will be such that I have to wear that shirt I hate or I don't know And so I have, like, a stack of clothes that are, like, the whatever the opposite of aspirational clothing is, it's like that. It's like, Mm. this is if things get real
1: bad. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best clothing, and then you only wear the stuff that's in the middle.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have, like, one stack of shirts that I actually wear. Yeah. And scrub pants. Just scrub pants.
1: I've got, like, this leopard print cape. It's like, you know those capes where your arms come out the sides, but then it tapes in front of you? And it's, like, floor-length full leopard print cape I don't know when I'm gonna wake up and be the kind of person to wear that but I keep hoping one day I will it's it's never gonna happen I I get uncomfortable if I'm wearing like not just solid black but like maybe one day
2: (laughs) I understand that yeah I I have I have multiple nicer pieces of clothing like that and I'm like maybe someday yeah well anyway have we
1: can we talk about SpongeBob now? Is that okay? Have we or? talked about other things enough to talk about the thing I want to talk about now? Yes. <laughs> it's the topic of the show. It is
2: Uh, yeah, so we're talking about I mean, because we are doing SpongeBob the musical for our outdoor theater here. Justin and I are directing it and Charlene Cooper are in it. Um that's why I am so deeply immersed in the world of Spongebob currently but like we can talk about all Spongebob related material like the cartoon and and whatnot because Spongebob came out and was really more uh I guess late your young years Taylor and then all of Riley's
1: growing up I was gonna say I for me I feel like when it came out I thought I was too old for it
0: yeah I think that's probably about right
1: yeah because Riley you dug it right
0: oh yeah I watched it, I think, every day, probably, for mm-hmm. the first at least decade of my life.
2: <laughs> what do you think? SpongeBob is obviously an incredibly popular cartoon. A lot of kids watched it. Do you remember why Why you were so drawn to it? What was it?
0: I don't know. I, just, I I I don't know. It was always one of those that it was a cartoon, but for some reason, even as I got older, I didn't feel like I was like watching a baby cartoon, some of those shows like, I'd watch, and I'd you know get to a certain age I'm like oh I can't watch that anymore I'm cool now Mm -hmm. I never necessarily felt that way about Spongebob not that I'd seek it out and watch it now as an adult Um, but you know I wouldn't turn it off if it was on girls have watched it before and I've sat and watched it with them I don't know I just I always found it pleasant and enjoyable and the stakes were never too high and um, yeah Mm
2: -hmm. it's interesting because Spongebob isn't a kid that's true he's not a child and the character well he's a sponge well but like even when they when they sort of make when they give you an idea of how old he might be in terms of like relatability for humans I mean he has a job so like I assume he's not a little kid (laughs)
1: like what is the assumption though that like he's what because I kind of always assumed like late teens early 20s
0: yes we don't know what the child labor laws are in under the sea in
1: Bikini Bottom (laughs) that's true
0: how, no, I always assumed he was about that old too. Yeah. Like older. I mean, he lives on his own. How old SpongeBob? That's the first search that came up when I typed how. How so, old SpongeBob? How old SpongeBob? My phone is listening to me. Um <clears throat> likely between 18 and mid 20s. Yeah.
1: Right, I nailed it.
0: Is
2: there ever mention other than the fact that he lives alone, he has a job? I think there's a there's an episode where he gets a driver's license, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Hold on. I found a Screen Rant article that breaks this down. Yeah. It does include his I lo- I license. Love, I love you people
2: who do the work. Some isn't of you he, out there just do this work for us who ask these questions and I love that.
1: Is Isn't he occasionally romantically linked to Pearl as well? Is that? Oh. Is that a subplot in the show? Am I wrong about that?
2: Is that I didn't ever know that if that's the case. I my my take on Pearl is that she was younger.
1: Well, she's a she's a, in high school. Yeah. But that's okay. why I I assumed that they were close in age. Maybe I made I don't want to I don't want so to add SpongeBob lore inappropriately.
0: His official date of birth on his license when he gets his license is July 14th, 1986.
1: Oh, so he's my age.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Which means it's interesting though because that would make him 13 when the show premiered. Um huh. Which doesn't necessarily make sense Because it's he's In my opinion It's one of those cartoons Where like no one really ages Like family guy You know Like Mm -hmm. Stewie doesn't become an adult At some point Stewie's always a baby So like Spongebob to me Is just always perpetually an age Sure So I don't know If maybe 86 is whatever And then whatever date That episode came out Where he had the license That would make his age That he just kind of perpetually is Mm. Which I think would be about Late teens to early 20s
1: Okay, that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that you're the same age as Spongebob.
1: I feel like mm-hmm. that that also makes sense. <laughs> Somehow, I can't explain.
2: Yeah, he can't, there's no way in the first episode he's 13 because he's a fry cook. Again,
0: what are the child labor laws well, of Bikini Bottom?
1: I mean, I think child labor laws are being rewritten in certain states right now to make 13-year-old SpongeBob's absolutely capable of being fry cooks, so, you know.
2: That's I don't, true. I don't, this is, this is all too like, I Upton say, Sinclair for me. I don't want SpongeBob as a 13 year old forced to
0: work on a dangerous, hot piece of machinery. <laughs> that article mentioned that Pearl is assumed to be 16 at all times. So their, their reasoning for him being about eight, 18 to mid 20s is like, he's probably older than Pearl mm-hmm. just based off like circumstances, but not by like a ton.
1: Okay. So they, cause they have been. I, I also looked it up. They've been paired in romantic situations. They went to prom together and
2: mm-hmm. and sometimes
1: some of her friends joke that he's her boyfriend. So, oh, did yes.
2: Well, did he take her now in the episode where he took her to prom? Was it like one of those where she didn't have a date? And so he did because Mr. Krabs
1: made him. Well, but even in that situation, I think in a real world, uh, like a, alternative of that, Having your, like, 18-year-old employee take your 16-year-old daughter to prom is one thing. If he were like, oh, I don't know, 30, it would be weird. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Yeah. I think we can extrapolate from that that he is somewhere within the age of an appropriate person to go to prom with.
0: (laughs) Somewhere in the age of an appropriate person to go to prom with. So are Spongebob and I the same age? I mean, I think... Spongebob 22.
2: I, I think that that is... Probably Somewhere the age, there.
0: yes. I mean, It wouldn't
2: be, would it be,
0: in, well, I wouldn't want to go to prom with someone right now.
1: <laughs> you, I thought you were going to say, I, I wouldn't want to go to prom with SpongeBob.
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I guess if it was an 18 well. year old that needed a prom date, my boss told me to go, it wouldn't be like, I mean, it's four years.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, let's not get into the fact that Pearl is 16. Pearl right? is 16. That's a problem. Well, she's also
1: a whale, and he's a sponge that wears pants. I think we're really getting too far into this specific aspect. Well, her
0: dad's a crab,
1: so I don't know how that works. Don't worry about it, is the answer.
0: Yeah. It's a cartoon. Is she adopted, do we think? I don't know if they
1: ever... Do we think?
0: I mean, she has to be, right?
2: Well, I don't know if they (laughs) ever ever cover cover that. I don't think they ever comment, like... I think it is brought... Like, they bring attention to the fact that... Isn't it weird that the... crab has a whale daughter mm-hmm. like isn't that strange but I don't think they ever well, I address mean, they do in the musical well yeah. but I think that they do that in the show too well I don't do I don't think we ever talk about Pearl's mom do we
1: I bet she's a whale are we
0: just gonna deep dive into some Spongebob
1: lore on the we're internet we're just creating this I don't episode? I think we need to be more responsible here folks we don't want to create Spongebob lore <laughs> Hey, listen, Life. all I said is, I bet she was a whale. I don't know. Someone's going to correct us. Yes. Uh, bad SpongeBob podcast.
2: Bad SpongeBob it's, podcast. Uh, what?
0: Hold on. What? <laughs> I looked up who's Pearl's mom. And the, you know how, like, Google will give you, like, a little, like, blurb of an article mm-hmm. up top on your phone yeah. to answer your question? Yeah. It says Pearl's mother is Mrs. Krabs, which like sure you could yeah. have inferred that. And the book states that she takes after her mother, who is also a whale. What book? What book? Are there books in the SpongeBob canon? That makes sense.
2: I bet there's lots of different SpongeBob media that we're not as familiar with.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, it's an official SpongeBob SquarePants trivia book. Okay.
1: I was like, uh. I mean, we're not talking about like this wasn't this wasn't a, like a book series first, right? Well, that's like what that I would I be some weird <laughs>
2: Yeah. That would be a the weird discovery here. the novelization yeah. of SpongeBob. I don't know if it was like some the, weird fan fiction. The we Sponge that wore pants. How fantastic would that be? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not seeing any SpongeBob tooth. Oh, that's a cute little Krabby Patty lunchbox.
0: Did we all? Hey, did you watch the um, the musical?
1: <laughs> yes, I did.
0: So I gotta okay. I gotta I gotta say this: um, SpongeBob musical obviously has the beloved characters mm-hmm. we all know. Yes, all of them. Uh-huh. Um, it's, I gotta say, my, my, one, my one critique of the story, the book, you would say, of the SpongeBob musical, is it's a little heavy-handed with some of the comments it's trying to make about our modern society in which this SpongeBob musical lives.
1: How, how so?
0: Well, you know how, like, when the squirrel that likes science is the only one who's not from there... And they tell her to go back where she came from, and yeah. that we don't trust science. And next thing you know, she's going to tell us tidal warming is real. The, I I <laughs> agree know? with
2: you that the tidal warming is real is a little on the nose.
0: Yeah. Well, I okay. I think that a lot of people just casually watching it, going to see it at perhaps Huntington Area Regional Theater in Huntington, West Virginia. Those kids aren't gonna. They're not gonna. I I it am curious hit you over the head with it. It's just if you're someone who is. At the, you know, culturally aware watching this and listening to the words, you're like, well, wait a minute. We're all stuck inside and they're telling us not to listen to science? Hmm. Well, <laughs> I mean, the,
2: here's the wild thing though it was made pre pandemic. That is pretty crazy. Like, it was the, the script and everything. I mean, part of the reason I think that it didn't, I mean, I don't know, because I think it's amazing, but part of the reason it didn't have like a longer Broadway run was covid. Yeah. Um and so then they they did a live like version of it that they filmed for Nickelodeon uh and you that was where we first saw it. That that came out during covid because I remember it was we were so desperate for just new stuff to do with the kids and Justin was like, "Well, I saw that SpongeBob musical in New York a while back and Nickelodeon's doing a live filmed version of it, so the kids will get to see it." That's great because he had always wanted the girls to see it and we watched it and it we just became obsessed with it it was like one of the things that got us through the pandemic we just kept watching it over and over again and the girls memorized every song and we talked about how much we would love to be part of that someday and help make that happen and i don't know it was just like one of those touchstones that like this will help get us through (laughs) watch spongebob again
1: well and i i think in the humor of spongebob like it makes sense that the like I don't think they're trying for like a subtle metaphor for global warming and you no. know trusting your community members and I think it's it it's it's funny that they kind of just plunk those references down in there like oh yeah if you're if you're laughing and enjoying this, but you're one of these people, hey, wake up.
0: maybe that's just my Spongebob purist self coming out but I SpongeBob the you stakes know, were never high in that you world. You don't
1: like your Spongebob too political. <laughs>
0: no. It was always there were no no real harm could come to anyone in that world. And in the Spongebob musical, not only is there the threat of a deadly volcano that's going to legitimately kill everyone that's involved in this entire production but Plankton and Karen tried to murder SpongeBob, Patrick, and Sandy. It did occur to me after I after I watched it for the
2: fiftieth or sixtieth time. Like, I know
0: I was sitting there the other night when you said, "Oh, they try to kill them."
2: Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like she says that. Like we we can't let them reach the top alive.
1: Oh. You want to well, kill SpongeBob? Plankton was always super evil in doing things that were right. Super but was evil? he trying? To-
0: wanted to steal the Krabby Patty secret formula? Yeah, was he trying to kill
2: Mr. Krabs ever? Like, was that ever part of it? I don't remember. I don't think so. I know I he was trying to steal there the formula. was murder or attempted murder. He wanted the formula. He wanted to hypnotize people into liking Schumburgers Like all that tracks. That was all part of Plankton's stuff. But was he ever
0: trying to kill anybody? He just wanted to have a successful restaurant, I think. Can we Google no, that? No, wait. Plankton to kill anybody.
1: Plankton apologist. No, he did not just want to have a successful... Re- he did. No.
2: I don't... I mean, I don't... I watched it with you in the way that you watch cartoons with kids. I, where, like, you're looking at the screen with them sometimes, but you're not necessarily there.
1: I mean, SpongeBob was low stakes in the sense that there was never any real danger, but I do think they still tried to like tell stories bigger than the animation format. Like one of the ones that I episodes I always loved about the the, the cartoon was the one where, where SpongeBob's trying to be a stand-up comedian, and he realizes mm-hmm. he can make jokes on Sandy's behalf, and because she's the outsider, it's funny, mm-hmm, and yeah. then it really hurts her. That was a pretty smart episode of SpongeBob SquarePants. Yep which they which they used in the musical a bit like with the fact that she was judged like she everybody was blaming her because she was the outsider
2: yeah yeah I I think that I mean it like it was done before COVID I think perhaps that's why it took on such great meaning for us is because it was a story of some, a character who is optimism that is Spongebob Spongebob is never gives up hope and never stops believing in others and never stops loving everyone around him even when they try to kill him. Um, That's his whole thing. And you put him in a situation where all the people that he counts on are sort of falling apart. You know, all the systems that he believes in, everything that he trusts. He trusts the government. He trusts his boss. He trusts his friends. He trusts his community. And when they all start falling apart and it really challenges that optimism, he maintains it. Which I mean is a really powerful story to tell, whether it involves a sponge or not. (laughs) Riley, you look so—I don't know what you've googled, but you are so confused over there.
0: I just—I do appreciate that someone has made an article titled "Top Ten Evil Plans by Plankton."
1: Oh, see, you can (laughs) always—you can always count on it.
0: I—I love everyone out there who does this stuff. Um, some of the some of the top hits, of course. Um. When a promotion with superheroes, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy earns big bucks for the crusty crab, Jealous Plankton decides to use crab's best new assets to knock him down to size. He creates a special shampoo to hypnotize the heroes into calling the Krabby Patty evil and convinces everyone in the town to eat the chum bucket instead. You remember that? I do. I always enjoyed that. Because it it reminded you in that episode that Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy are old. Mm -hmm. And they were fun hit superheroes at some point and now they're old superheroes yeah and I always found that funny because you kind of you know it's not always obvious and then you remember oh wait no, they're I, old
2: like guys. I wanted us to have a, a mermaid man and barnacle boy in our show
0: do you remember we went to a, um, a, a castle to solve a murder mystery once and we were supposed to dress as you know teams to solve crimes mm-hmm. and um, I did dress as barnacle boy yes you did I did. It's pretty good. So, I mean, I had the costume. You didn't ask me. be Barnacle Boy. Oh, so. no. I told Riley that she could be in our show. But, like, not as Barnacle Boy. And, like, I you had the could
2: costume. Have been Barnacle Boy. I, so, we let the cast decide. <sighs> Everybody except, like, the named characters who have to look like, I mean, you know, I think you want SpongeBob to look like SpongeBob and so on and so forth. Um, But everybody else got to pick which either a Spongebob character that they want to be like somebody who maybe was only in a few episodes or a recurring character who we didn't already have. They were allowed to dress just like them or just be a sea creature and make up your own story and life and everything for your sea creature and your costume can look like anything as long as it is a sea creature of some sort. They're all just really colorful. Yeah, that's what ended up happening is everybody's just like an explosion of color. Yeah, which is good. No, it's perfect. It it they 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 definitely took it to a point where like it doesn't just look like a costume. They start to look less like people, you know, and mm-hmm. that's what we wanted is mm-hmm. look like something else with your makeup and hair and outfit and whatever.
1: I really love that about the the show design. Mm-hmm. Um, just like that, they they were elements of fish that mm-hmm. they would work in where they'd be like puffy sleeves or like a certain kind of skirt like that. I liked that that was there, but nothing looked like it was trying to look like a fish costume.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah that was very that was very intentional um, on our part. no I, we didn't want anybody literally to be a fish but yeah. just look not like a person. yeah <laughs> I felt weird saying that over and over again, like no you need to do more to your hair because you look too much like a human. <laughs>
1: The, uh, the the squidward leg situation yep. is just maybe my favorite thing I've ever seen. My, my favorite small solution, those are always the things in musical theater mm-hmm. that I, I love. When it's like, here is a very easy thing to execute that makes a very specific big impact. And that, that looks so silly, but so good.
0: And <laughs> we, you all did that. You made mm-hmm. those legs. I saw that, yeah. Um, yeah. But I got to say, one of my favorite things that I've ever seen happen on a stage, it was during a rehearsal, so it wasn't a show. Mm-hmm. It was your last rehearsal um, one of Squidward's legs came detached from the back <gasps> of his real leg so then Squidward had three forward facing legs and one backwards leg um, yeah, one broken leg and then as he was walking off then of course it was just kind of dragging behind him which while he's doing his tap number is just one of the most the, one of the I- funniest things you could possibly see is him tapping with three feet that are all at the front oh, it's no. very funny
2: I will say he is such a trooper. The actor who who plays Squidward, he just completely rolled with it and was like reaching back periodically to like flip the leg back around, like uh, real, and those real quickly. Are,
0: they're heavy. Yeah, like, he's pretty much lifting two legs worth of weight every time he takes he, a step, and he tap dances with them. It's it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah,
2: he's he's really he's been a trooper about it. He's doing a great job. But they but, were you know they were made our costumer who is somebody that we grew up with taylor kelsey yeah yeah uh kelsey was sitting down to make them kelsey made all the costumes for the show it's incredible and was having trouble and wasn't exactly sure how to do it and her brother is an engineer and was at her house and was like oh you're doing that all wrong hold on i can help you and
0: so our legs have been constructed by an engineer they've been (laughs) professionally engineered
1: that's amazing
0: no, but you're right, Tay, it's one of those things that like you kind of see in a cartoon or like whatever the origin piece is for a musical and you're like, "Well, how do you do that with real people?" Yeah. Um and it it's very very much is has a big impact. It's very funny the first time he comes out and he does a little like squat mm-hmm. and there's a sound effect that's like a Yeah. You know that kind of thing. Um Blah. that that really, it's really really funny.
1: Uh like on a Broadway yeah, budget, you could have done something like, "Oh, a big like you know, animatronic piece or something. But when it's just Mm -hmm. like a stupid small solution that just like, that makes me happier than anything.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It, it is. It was a lot of fun to put together for that reason. Like the whole thing, just because it was, we were very much aware that this is a cartoon Mm. and it needs to feel fun and it needs to feel playful. And while it is about an apocalyptic situation, it is about like, in theory, the end of the world And the way that different people cope either, you know, helpfully or not so helpfully with impending doom. um, It is also still SpongeBob. And so it it can't take itself too seriously ever. Uh, The sound effects really help. We've, we luckily have um, someone who can do the Foley artist work there. And so it has like a sound effect board, but then is also doing some of the live Foley, like old school radio Foley sound effects there on site. Which are really cool to watch. So we we
0: have him play so that you can see him while he's doing it. Because it's really cool. Um, and can I just say one of the plot points of the musical, like as a whole, you know, like the actual musical, um, of of Patrick being a cult leader <laughs> is genius. And it makes sense in a way that's like, you, especially now watching it, it's like of all the characters, you know, like... You know, maybe some that are smarter, like more charismatic. Like, why would Patrick be the one that these people choose to follow? And then you watch it and you're like, well, yeah, of course. Of course it would be Patrick. That is the one everyone would follow. And it is, in my opinion, the the birth of the best song in the entire show, Super Seastar Savior. Mm-hmm. Which is just one of the funnest things I've ever seen. Yeah, I uh, I was a
2: little nervous about that plot element and how, it's so good. how it would go over in this, in this part of the world. Um, sure, yeah. because you know, it, what they're, what they, what they very much comment on in the show is like, okay, a volcano is about to erupt and destroy everything. That's the plot of it. Um, and everybody's trying to figure out like how to cope with that. And so you have this group of sardines who essentially assign Patrick, their savior, And decide that the best way to cope with the impending apocalypse is through creating a new religion around Patrick and waiting for him to tell them what to do. And of course, Patrick has no idea what to do and isn't going to come up with the idea, but like they just sort of sit and wait and worship him until he tells them what to do. And I was worried with that plot, you know, I mean, like it. There's a, there's definitely a fear there that somebody's going to see that and go, hey,
0: wait a second. <laughs> what are you trying to say? I ultimately- don't know. That's one of the least like connected to the real world, in my opinion. Like, look at all these sardines you've got. All he's sitting up there saying is, the life smells weird. And they love it. Mm-hmm. I know. But I'm saying <laughs> when you look at some of the other plot points where it's like they literally say tidal warming. Or like, oh, we're all stuck inside and there's nothing well, to do. What are we going to do? Well, they they hit it home. So this one is end, like s- some good comedic relief, in my opinion, it, from like the actual impending death of the everyone else in the entire musical.
2: Well, I, no,
0: I mean, I enjoy
2: it. It doesn't offend me. I was worried that other people would be offended by it. Um, you have to be thinking pretty hard while watching that SpongeBob musical. I mean, I and I've seen it, I mean, literally, how I don't even oh, know, I know how many dozens of times now, so of course I have, but... Um, I mean, he says it in the end. SpongeBob says, like, here we have this apocalypse. It was a time when everybody needed to come together, where we needed to, like, okay, how can we solve this? Who has the brains? Who has the ability? Who has the will? Where is the, you know, where is the funding going to come from? Who's going to build the thing? Who's going to, like, all the ways that you would solve a major problem. And he's like, but instead, some of you looked for somebody to blame. Some of you looked for somebody to follow. Somebody some of you looked for, you know, uh, people to whatever control the government just wanted to control everybody, put everybody on, you know, made everybody stay home and like put them on the no swim list and enforce them to, you know, go where they said and all this.
0: Which, by the way, they have a really they have a real concrete no swim list, like a paper no swim list in Sydney and Justin's production. I don't know who wrote it. I guess one of the cast members, but our, our mom our, our, our mom is at the top of the list. Yes. That was our props person did that, our props Mary master. Mary Smurl is <laughs> numero uno on the no-swim list.
2: Well, we had to... We had. It is the second version of the no-swim list. Mm. Because the first version, which also had Mary Smurl. Yeah. And I said, we can keep Mary Smurl on the no-swim list. I enjoy that. That's funny. Um, but the first version also said, um, my balls. <laughs> and I said... I, I, I have been on a crew on a, mm-hmm. in a community theater production before I understand this uh, I enjoy this I enjoy this little joke this little private in joke but it is visible to the audience so if we could please this
1: is a <laughs> children's show
2: yes. it is a children's show it was a fun <laughs> chuckle for rehearsal let's switch it out for the show
0: Um, you know something I just this isn't in the musical but something I was thinking about because your set person made a set piece that is from the spongebob movie the first spongebob movie came out forever ago um and there is a scene in that movie that i think is one of the most like culturally like universally significant moments in film of my entire generation and it's so silly but it's like one of those things that like i don't i don't know what the equivalent is i'm sure there's one for like something that was popular when you all were growing up but like you ask anyone of your generation and they will be like Yes, I can tell you exactly where I was when I saw that, actually. And I remember the first time I saw it, and I've seen it a dozen times since. And that's when Spongebob and Patrick ride on David Hasselhoff's back. Yes. In the Spongebob movie. The live-action David Hasselhoff. Which right. is almost even funnier when you remember that no one that was my age watching that movie would have had any idea, really, who David Hasselhoff is. I didn't know who that was. But that moment of that Spongebob movie is the moment, yeah. I think. No, of i my generation.
2: I <laughs> wish I wish David Hasselhoff was in our show. Well, you do have lin Manuel Miranda in your show. That is true. Yes. He is voicing Gary the snail. So anytime you hear a meow or a purr. A- Gary
0: had a Gary had a casualty at one of your rehearsals. Actually it was opening night, wasn't it? <sighs> yeah. Gary's eyes fell off. On opening oh, no. night. Yeah. And it was <laughs> our
2: Spongebob is so good cause Gary has like those tall
0: eyes you know and the, the actor yeah. who
2: plays our, our whole cast is amazing it's, it's the enti- we're just very lucky but our Spongebob is so good and covered it very well was not shaken at all and was talking about how he needed to get Gary to the vet and oh no Gary I don't have time to take you to the vet right now cause I've gotta go stop this volcano from erupting but as soon as I get back and if I don't make it back alive please go to the vet without me <laughs> it was it was all very fun it worked
1: it was. Uh, can I ask, uh, speaking of Linda and Miranda, I know that, like, the fastest rap on Broadway was, like, that was a thing that Hamilton had, but that Plankton rap...
0: It's so fast. It
1: was coming for his gig. <laughs> and it was written by T.I. Oh, yeah? Is it well,
0: faster? Do you know? I... I well, don't know. I'll I don't, say this. I would, you're, it, you're, I would be surprised.
2: I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Your musical director sped up some tempos because he had done shows I was in before and sped them up. With how he has sped that number up, it is possible that now our <laughs> your your production your version is faster than the Hamilton rap.
1: Well, I I, we I were... did feel it's at least maybe made with a little bit of a nod to Hamilton. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Wait till. Uh... Taylor, are you going to be able to come in to see it?
1: Uh, I am. I am going to try to come in for your closing weekend. Uh,
2: I I hope you can. If not, I understand if you can't. Obviously, but wait wait till you see that our actor do it because we really our plan when we saw that we were like okay well we're not going to find anybody who can rap that fast like that's just not gonna nobody who auditions did. and uh, and our plan was to slow it down but we have not had to. Mm.
1: That yeah, was easily been, my favorite. I thought all the actors in the, I mean, I just saw the, uh, was that the original Broadway cast that they recorded? Mm -hmm. I thought everybody was fantastic, but the the plankton character was probably my favorite. (laughs) Just like, the way they translated his costume, like, mm -hmm. that, and the fact that they kept the small plankton, like, in him, like, he kept, he was always carrying it, or was on a shoe, like, I love that. Yeah. That it's kind of assumed, like, he's just the the puppeteer Mm -hmm. for this, but also, Mm -hmm. like, look at him. (laughs)
0: That, uh, that actor, I watching it, I kept thinking, this guy seems so familiar. How do I know this guy? And it's because the only other time I'd seen him was as the original Lucas, which is when, uh, Wednesday's nerdy boyfriend in the Addams Family musical. Uh-oh. And uh, okay. seeing those two characters next to each other, obviously very, very different. But it's, it I mean it shows how good of an actor he is. Um, he is, and so is the,
2: yeah. in the original. The guy who plays Spongebob is incredible. Oh, yeah. When mm-hmm. he's singing upside down. Yeah. Um and he sings that song. So the the music for the musical is all written by different artists. Yeah, like they all contributed guess. different songs. And um there's a song Simple Sponge which was written by Panic at the Disco. Oh really? Yeah. And you can hear it. Yeah. Like cuz the range that you have to have to it's incredible. And I mean, but you can but there's a lot of great artists that Cindy Lauper did a song, David Bowie did a song. Um who else? Uh, Jonathan Colton did a yeah. lot of the music around it. Did like the opening and closing, a couple other numbers. Um, Tom Kenny, who the voice of SpongeBob, did a song in it. Um,
1: well, that's a, I, why does SpongeBob have a legacy of amazing musical team ups? Because even in the original show, they they had the um, the Cramps make a song for them.
0: Yeah. Well, and BFF and Best Day Ever both are from the cartoon, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh really? I is know BFF? best day ever is. I knew I, that one. I yeah. don't know why I was thinking BFF also was. Maybe it's not. But I know best day ever is from the cartoon.
2: The Plain White Tees did that BFF. Oh, did they? Maybe um, it's not from a the cartoon then. It just Ar- sounded Aris familiar. Smith, Ti. Who else? Am I forgetting? They um, might be. They might be Giants. Does the tap number? Hey, oh, did wow. you have a? Did you have a favorite song?
1: Oh god! I mean, I don't. It was all so fun. I don't know. I think my favorite vocal performance was probably Sandy. So I think any time she started singing, I was mm-hmm. most involved. Like that mm-hmm. final number where they're both on guitars. That yeah. tugged at the heartstrings. So I would say that one. uh the the song title is, but
0: yeah.
2: I uh, for me, I the way that I mean, so much of it is clouded by our version. The way that they do. <laughs>
0: Our uh, version, the the ones forget the parts Taylor that I Swift love doing because... Taylor's versions of albums. This is SpongeBob Sydney's version mm. Sydney and
2: Justin, we did it together. The way that we uh, figured out, we we are doing it in an outdoor theater. So in the song Simple Sponge, they do this whole like black light thing with these glowing sponges.
1: Okay, I I didn't want to ask because it felt like such a small detail, but I was like, please tell me you use the glowing sponges because I loved that in the recorded one.
2: We couldn't. No. We, uh, there was We couldn't figure out how to... Use, well, because it's not dark enough at that oh, point in the show. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. So we had to reblock that whole thing. And we did this... I don't know. I'm very proud of what we came up with. And it's a very touching moment in the show. Um, I don't know. I almost cry multiple times. At the end, <laughs> right before the they find out if the volcano is going to erupt, they all sort of drop to their knees and hold each other. And that makes me cry. And then the bubbles
0: make me cry. But... Like song? Like oh. Remember we were talking about songs. Do you have a favorite song? (laughs) (laughs) Instead
1: of very specific moments that no one's going to know (laughs) about. Sydney is very (laughs) attached to this musical, right?
0: (laughs) Well, it really got us through a lot of dark days in COVID.
2: What's your favorite song?
0: I think mine is Super C Star Saviour. Or I'll be honest, um, No Control is fun Mm -hmm. to listen to. Mm. Yeah, which that one is written by David Bowie, by the way.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I really do like Best Day Ever.
1: Yeah. Poor Pirates is a very funny song. I thought that was really fun. I love that they, I I knew that dad was playing that character and I didn't really, I thought he would just like pop in. And then when he came back and had a whole number, I was like, oh no, now I really need to see this live. Well,
0: especially because you know our dad and not only did he like you know get the whole number but he takes any opportunity he can to like add something and make it even bigger and make it more Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so yeah he's got he's got all sorts of things he just (laughs) he threw in there
2: well it it i don't know i i really do love it i know that shows Do you have
0: a favorite song you don't have to. I was just I don't curious know if, I if could you did. Pick,
2: I really don't know that I could pick one. I know that sounds like a cop-out, but...
0: I think it says... I think this is one of those musicals that a lot of them, like, you can pick a favorite song, but all, a lot of musicals, everything kind of sounds very similar. It's all meant to fit one theme. And this is different in that it's a musical where it is intentionally not one theme or genre. So I think it says a lot about what people like music-wise, uh, mm-hmm. what song they pick is their favorite. Mm-hmm. I like Hero is my middle name a lot.
1: I like that one too. Yeah.
2: That's it. That's at Cindy Lauper Bob. Cyndi Cindy Lauper bopper. Yeah. John Legend did I I Guess I Miss You. That's a good
1: one. Oh, I like that one made me that made me a little teary eyed. That was sweet. Yeah. We uh
2: well and I like that they they don't I mean, there was always that thing which is why some kids weren't allowed to watch SpongeBob, <laughs> which is that people thought SpongeBob and Patrick were a couple.
0: Mhm.
2: Which like I mean, they're a sea star and a sea sponge. Are we really?
1: Well, I'm pretty sure that Nickelodeon included SpongeBob in their pride celebration.
2: They did. Because SpongeBob is
1: canonically, what? I mean, I think they based it off of what sea sponges are, which is. (laughs) I don't know. I I don't. don't He's part of the he's somewhere in the LGBTQ S S is for sponge. That's fine.
0: I was going to say asexual.
1: Maybe. because I sure. yeah, do they re-produce, reproduce asexually? Why not?
0: I think that's, I feel like that's, maybe I mean, not. Maybe I, I'm making that up.
2: Well, I think it was just like, I think for some like, I don't know, conservative parents who think like this, uh, Patrick and SpongeBob gave them like Bert and Ernie vibes.
1: You know, it's sad because to me, I think that there's a dual problem with both accepting that queer people exist and that means that the queer relationships should be normalized, but also like specifically when you've got masculine characters close de- like dependent mm-hmm. masculine friendships can exist yeah and that's not often a thing we see and I think we really like it when we see it but then mm-hmm. everybody gets freaked out because oh no it's gay for a guy to love another guy as a friend no it's not that's just normal and healthy guys
2: yeah <laughs> you can love I, your I friends think, I think either way it it's it's very nice to see that. It's a very, um, it was progressive for the time, mm-hmm. whether they are a couple or they are just best male friends who express their love and appreciation for each other openly. Yeah. Th- that's
0: all fine and healthy and good. <laughs> um, by the way, sponges apparently reproduce asexually and sexually. Mm. So that means SpongeBob canonically is bisexually asexual, I think. <laughs> right? It's both. I mean well, by means both. By well, I mean by means two that we, oh, ways of reproduction. Right. Oh, okay. And then he like can can reproduce you know in I mean? two different ways. Yes.
1: Yeah. We're just gonna call that the cue. That's just queer. Yep. That's yep. just yeah. So it doesn't matter how, it's just queer.
2: Either way, it is also written into the musical very clearly that they're that they have a deep affection for each other. Yes. Like and it is very that, sweet. We don't shy away from that either.
0: Also, I guess I miss you is the only one in the whole show that I can hear John Legend singing that. Mm-hmm. Like, I immediately heard that and was like, well, I know who wrote this. Yeah, Like, you know, here is my middle name. Sounds like, oh, sounds like Cindy Lauper. But I can hear John Legend singing, I Guess I Miss You. And it's the love song. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was not ready to cry over the friendship between Patrick Starr and SpongeBob SquarePants. But you know what? I'm okay that I have. <laughs> I have many it's, times. It's, yeah. yeah when, I I say.
2: when I watch them do it live, I cry. Sense. Well, thank you both. Um, I have committed the last six months of our lives to this so <laughs> well I thank you, you all.
1: i i mean i watched it for the first time for this episode and i'm probably gonna watch it again after this discussion because i want to
2: it's a lot of fun i really if you haven't watched it that was that on paramount is that yeah what it was? it's on paramount yeah. plus that that film version is available on paramount um and it's it's a ton of fun it's good for every, adults and kids alike it's good for everybody um taylor what's next
1: so uh we're gonna get the the butt end of pride month with this one uh i, I, mean, I guess i mean we were joking about it earlier that like we didn't do anything gay this month but i feel like anything we do by proxy kind of qualifies yeah it's <laughs> a not straight <laughs> podcast yeah. podcast yeah or spongebob yeah uh but uh i wanted to talk about uh harley quinn in partially in relation to the new uh animated show that's been on HBO Max but also just sort of the history of the character because it's a character that I love and hold near and dear and also I think it's had a really good evolution in in media so it's our final Pride Month episode I want to talk about one of my favorite gay superhero slash villains Harley Quinn
2: all right right. that'll be excellent yeah all right well thank you both we'll talk about Harley Quinn next week and um in the meantime, you can go to MaximumFun.org and check out a lot of great shows that you would enjoy. You can tweet at us at StillBuff. You can email us at StillBuffering at MaximumFun.org. And thank you to the novellas for our theme song, Baby Change Your Mind. This has been
0: your cross-generational guide to the culture that made us. I'm Riley Spurl. I'm Sydney McRoy.
1: And I'm Taylor Sproul.
0: I'm still buffering.
1: And, and I, I am too. Too.
2: We make uh, stuffed Patrick Zip line in the motion.
1: It's fun. Do you have a, 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 the old guy that gets flattened out? How did you do that?
2: Uh, I took a picture of him, and then we stretched it out and printed it. We had it printed at like a place that does that. You know, like a big giant of the picture. And then when nice. Justin g- glued that to a piece of plywood, and then used a jigsaw to cut him out.
1: Love it. So
2: there you go. Behind the scenes. <laughs> ah.
0: Alright class, tomorrow's exam will cover the science of perfect pitch, the history of pride flags and speedrunning video games. Any questions? Ah, yes, you in the back. Oh, uh, what is this? It's the podcast, Let's Learn Everything. Where we learn about science and a bit of everything else. My name's Tom. I studied cognitive and computer science, but I'll also be your teacher
1: for intermediate emojis.
0: My name's Caroline and I did my master's in biodiversity conservation and I'll be teaching you intro to things the British Museum stole. My name's Ella. I did a PhD in stem cell biology. So obviously I'll be teaching you the history of fan fiction. Class meets every other Thursday on Maximum Fun. So do I still get credit for this? (laughs) (laughs) No.
1: (laughs) Obviously not. No. It's a podcast. (laughs)